I also had my computer on stupidly quiet. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's his fault, Foz. Of course. It's all my fault tonight. I mean, <laughs> I sort of forgot to invite you guys to the recording. <laughs> you, you didn't have enough. You didn't have a long enough nap, apparently. <laughs> Combined with a little too much wine, I think it's going to be a great show. <laughs> You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Foz Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 358 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined this week by Fosma Mood and Seth Miller. Hey, guys. Good evening. From a very, very static situation compared to last week's 80 miles an hour. I like this much better. <laughs> is, it, is it hard to record while in a car? Uh, on I-10 in the panhandle of Florida and or southern Alabama, I would say it wasn't that bad because traffic was pretty light. Yeah. Uh, there is the certain irony of the part where well after we stopped recording, I came about three inches away from rear ending a police officer. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> like my foot slipped off the brake while I was looking, I was trying to find a gas station to refill the rental car on the way in. And we started rolling forward and Chris, uh, Sloan, who was in the front seat next to me, like, started like, blah, 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 like, just like sort of incoherently shouting. And I real I looked up and slammed the brakes and like, <laughs> it was one of those things where like, you can't see the front edge of your car really. So you don't know how close it was, but yeah. like the shadows and the spacing suggested to me that I was very, very, very close to having a very, 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 very bad afternoon. So what you're saying is this episode could, this episode could have been brought to you by the uh, Alabama state trooper. Association. Uh, it would have been the Pensacola local police department, but yes, ah, yes, yes, yes. Straight uh, from the jail cell. That'd be great. And also like we all would have missed our flights as a result. And I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a day where like things were already going badly travel wise. So yeah, good times. Good, good times. Yeah. Um, well, as follow up though, do you guys want to talk about the new I, AA rules? And I want to get you guys' uh, take on them. Obviously we, we did talk about that a bit last week uh, with Chris and uh, Zach, but I'm curious what you guys think. Uh, actually about both of them are all three of the things we talked about last week, right? We talked about American, we talked about Marriott and we talked about Breeze, but American and Marriott in particular, do you, have thoughts on like does the american change make either of you want to become an advantage elite or make it think you make it easier i i i don't have any desire to really fly american based on everything i read and Foz's glowing reviews uh and but their meltdown this weekend and their meltdown which we'll talk about um but i, I don't think the rules really are attractive to me um just because it's again it's spin based right so um, well it's spend based but it's also credit card spend based yeah and, and i don't know that i would put enough on i don't know yeah, I mean, that's the part that's really You need to learn how to manufacture or spend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, so then are you going to do it, Fox? No, I don't have the time for that crap. <laughs> <laughs> you do it, I, not me. Also, you have to actually fly to get the swoosh. Yeah. But how much do you have to fly? 30 segments. Yeah, that's hard. I mean, assuming you're trying to also keep other stat eye statuses, um, yes, it's a lot. But Vaz, now that you're in like you're you're going to be moving to the Philly area, general area. I'm not going to tell people where you're at, but you'll be flying out of Philadelphia, I assume. Some I already fly out of Philadelphia. Some like I'm right in the middle between Philadelphia and Newark, so I'm maybe ten minutes closer to Newark than Philly. But like, would this this wouldn't intrigue you to fly American more? No, because it would require me to fly American more. <laughs> like. United, as much as they drive me batty at times, it's it's a known, and there's something to be said at three point six. You know, yeah, just finish the four hundred thousand. You're you're just looking for that lifetime global services. Yeah, I want to be able to walk into the terminal naked and have them hand me a towel. <laughs> 
Uh, Can I use that as the show title? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, so, so I don't even know where to go. I mean, I thought I was going to be the troublemaker tonight. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So let, then let's talk about Marriott, right? I don't think either of us is, I think what threw me off with the AA stuff was you could spend up to X plat, but then still not get it because you have you, you have the status but not all of the benefits. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of it, it kind of irritates me a little hasn't, bit, but hasn't Delta done a similar thing where you have to pick which benefits you want? Air Canada Aeroplan did a similar pick which yeah, benefits you want, true. right? Like it, on the one hand I feel like it's the no no, you actually just get the benefits that are useful to you as opposed to like an airline telling me I get three check bags which I almost never use from time to time I need one or two bags. Um Yeah. Right. But like, but like telling me I'm getting value from having free check bags on every flight when I'm not using it is a little silly. But at the same time, like telling me that I have to pick in advance that I got, I'm going to want free check bags. And if I didn't pick that and later this year, my travel habits changed and all of a sudden I need them. Right. This, yeah. it turns out that actually 2021, I've needed check bags far more than usual because I've been traveling with tools. Yep. Uh, and you can't carry on a power drill. Uh, for, no, it turns out that uh, seven inch, seven inch, any tools longer than seven inches are not acceptable in the cabin. Huh? Um, Makes sense. But you can't check the battery. Can't check the battery though. You can if it's installed in the tool. It can't be separate. Oh, so United wouldn't let me check the battery. Even connected. Even connected. Okay, I, I may be missed. I thought it was only if it was separate. Also, now that I think about it, let's just not tell anybody I did. Um, <laughs> except all of our listeners. It's too. It's too late. <laughs> And you know I'm not going to edit that out. So I'm waiting for that. Um, I think the difference is when it's connected, it just looks like it's part of the tool. Yeah, they do. well, and like the TSA doesn't care necessarily, but the airline might. Anyway, um, yeah, it's I've needed to check bags though, and so like if I hadn't, but I wouldn't have known that in February, right? I didn't know that until, or till March or April. So like, would I pick that as one of my benefits? No. Yeah. So I, I get the idea of like you know you get to pick the things you want but at the end of the day it's also like that's the airline saving money and not giving everybody everything and then hoping for breakage because you didn't pick the thing you actually ended up needing later in the year or and have to pay for it or pick the wrong thing and don't use it so yeah i mean i think from that perspective right like the 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 customer experience piece is what kind of goes downhill because yeah like delta saying you can pick these things um but i feel like with american the implementation is what matters so yeah you can pick these things and then if we don't implement this right it's still going to piss you off that's that's my thing like right it's all it all comes back to what the customer is experiencing the problem is it creates more friction right and the uh, the thing that you can't easily see on a spreadsheet that you can't easily quantify on the spreadsheet is what does that friction cost you Mm -hmm. as a corporation right so you, you know you've by diluting the benefits or making customers choose which ones they may or may not use, right? Like upgrades are a great one, right? You, most people almost never get upgrades, so why, like, why even force them to pick it? Yeah, um, and, and why would you? I mean, there's also two types of upgrades. There's the short haul and long haul, and which one are you advertising? What are you picking at? Like, I feel like long haul, arguably, I don't know, it depends a little bit more, but I don't think those are. I, I would say as a percentage, those clear better probably than just the complimentary or the E500s or whatever. Oh, I'd absolutely agree with you, but the counterpoint to that would be, there's a bunch of people who never leave the country. Yes. Right? And they are top-tier status. So what benefit does it do them? Generally, not much. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Until that one time, the boss calls them like, hey, really sorry, you got to go to Brazil, London, Tokyo, right? I mean, like this year, none of those places. But uh, <laughs> Or maybe it's this year, it's like, hey, London finally reopened, you got to go tomorrow. Yeah. But you don't have any swoos anymore and company policies you fly coach so that sucks yeah yeah no agreed but you know it's 
it, what is the benefit to someone who hasn't really who doesn't plan on stepping foot on an international plane or who has who can't even imagine that right yeah you can get that unexpected call but if you're not really thinking about it you would never even pick those uh, the thing I don't understand about the American thing is why now hmm. at a time when you start trying to get people back into your planes why would you disenfranchise your elites when you have such captive audiences costs see I I'm going to challenge the disenfranchise accusation okay. or assertion. I I think there's a lot of people that are going to be very happy to have the uh, spend based credit card spend based option to augment their status. I mean, I can I I know you know. Granted, my sample set is very small, but I have two friends who are AA um, frequent flyers, and they both dislike the new uh, changes. Uh, but again, like, why would you want to create friction at a time when you want to get people back on your planes, right? This, like, this basically opens the door for people to look at competitors if the competitors don't match quickly. I, I, and I don't think it's going to match this, but but at the same time, like, what what's the friction that's being created that I have to pick that I want swoos? Because you already had to pick that. No, no, no. no I, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't mean one hundred twenty thousand for. Uh, I don't PSD? mean. No, no. I don't mean that point. I mean, I, I mean the changes in regards to how you earn status. Just in yeah. general. In general, I, I guess you know. I, I'm. I wonder, right? If you look at the, if I'm already EXP and I had to spend, what was it fifteen thousand dollars EQDs? Mm-hmm. So that was one hundred sixty-five thousand points straight up, and now it's two hundred. Would that thirty-five k difference have been? Is that actually worse? And you know, ostensibly yes, because that the price went up straight flying, but. If I bought all those tickets using my AA credit card, that's at least fifteen thousand. So now it's the, the spread. I don't. I'm not sure that the spread's that bad. Okay, that's fair. But the, the you just introduced points in revenue three years ago, maybe four years ago. Yeah. You're now introducing another change, right? People are still trying to figure out the first change, and now you've changed it again at a time when they haven't really been flying much. It looks complicated. I I will agree with that point. I think that that was the thing that struck me first about the program was this looks complicated. Like this looks like a pain in the ass. Um, I think it looks easier. I'm not going to lie. Really? I, okay. I, I really do. I, 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 I also like, I'm not, I also have no idea how like my numbers stack up this year relative. Like would the, when I flew, I was AA gold this year. I, I had, cause it was like soft landings from three years ago, but, um, or, I think by accident I kept flying them um, and and earned enough status and then whatever is extended because of the pandemic. I wonder. I, I'm guessing my qualification wouldn't have happened just because I only buy cheap tickets or I tend to buy cheaper tickets, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm interested to hear from our our listeners. Like, what what do they think? Are they do they feel that it's more complicated? Do they feel that it's a good change for them? Are they excited? I like tell us. We we want to know. I think I think that's. I think I kind of agree with Foz. I'm a little confused as to why AA is doing this now, but maybe they got some feedback that told them this is the right way to go. So if if you're a listener and want to tell us, we we always love feedback. So yeah, I, I will say I think it's I think it's a more straightforward set of rules like you earn points they get come to status whether it's more points required or it's harder to qualify i think we could debate but i think it's more straightforward to not have to track three different things mm, yeah um so then let's talk about marriott how do you guys how do you guys like big middle fingers are we surprised for marriott no not really i have a ton of marriott points though and i'm wondering do i wait and burn them later do i you'll always be able to use them for the courtyard in bangor maine oh <laughs> <laughs> uh... I mean, I, but not I the one in Portland where you actually want to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shh, shh. 
<laughs> Which turns out it's actually a pretty nice hotel. Um, <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty sure it's a courtyard. There's like, it's not a full service Marriott. There's one sort of right downtown that's pretty nice that I've stayed in a couple times. Anyway, um, no, I, I don't know. I, I think that that's one of those, like, it's not, they're not perma, like, they're not fully decoupling from a, an awards chart. It's just that there's going to be variability. Right, mm. it's like day of week and peak off peak, but every night could be a different rate. But that's that's where it starts, right? This of is course. just a, this is just a stepping stone. I mean, this just further solidifies hoarding points is a bad idea. Going so, back eight plus nine plus years now to the points for the podcast <laughs> where we started. Exactly. So okay. you guys know we're coming up. I think almost on ten years, right? Oh, we should wow. probably do that one in person, shouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> I got exactly when it was, but I guess yeah, we should find out for an eight year eight or eight year nine right now first. <laughs> <laughs> year nine and a half. Um so I for me no, like we're I, in we're in year nine. It's May twenty twenty. Oh wow. May, excuse me, May May twenty twelve is when was our first episode. So May of next year. May of next year. All right, gotta pick somewhere fun to go and drink beers and do yeah. a live show. Um May tenth. Mar- Marriott is <laughs> Like so, for me, I have a I, talking about points points hoarding. I have a ton of Marriott points because I never burned them because I was staying there. For too work. worried about too worried about earning more or just staying for work. Just staying for work. Like I just never had a chance to really burn them. I I think I burned some every now and then when we would go on a vacation or something. But I mean, I mean, I got a, more than a million, and I'm just like, okay, so what do I do now? Do I just burn them on everything, or do I wait to see what this award charts? I feel like if I wait, it's stupid. I should burn them at the cheapest points that I could, or the cheapest rate that I could. Only if you're actually going to travel. Yeah. Don't travel just to burn them. I mean, I have the same problem. I have probably 1.4, 1.5 million Marriott points sitting around, and I don't know what I'm going to do with them. I don't think I can burn them fast enough if I wanted to. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard, right? Because, I mean, a a three-night stay or four-night stay could be just 120,000 points. So I'm not going to do 10 of those. So I'm not paying 80,000 points for the courtyard at the airport. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of it. I think we all kind of knew it was coming and we'll talk a little bit about Hyatt in a little bit, but, um, I think this is just the way things are going, right? Like this is, is Hilton the only one that's left that's not doing this? But Hilton did. Did that's, they? That's the, that, they still have an award chart, but also like they don't. And if they, if like you can either get a points at this quote unquote saver rate, which is the chart rate, or they're worth a half cent gotcha. and it's like, and maybe you'll get lucky, but the reality is it's probably just half a cent. And so Hilton was one of the actually I would argue one of the earlier ones to go this path. Um, so could this be a way to appease the hotel owners given the last eighteen months that they're going to get increased comp for room nights yep. for award nights? Yep. Sure. Do, do you have to? I mean, and I know the answer to this. Do you have to charge the customer more if you're going to do that? And obviously the answer is yes, but um, or you're going to because you can. Well, um, I don't think this is going to settle the lawsuit in Phuket. If that's what <laughs> that wasn't where I was going, but I mean, if the hotels feel like they're getting market rate or closer mm-hmm. to at least close to it, right? They might not be so apprehensive or difficult, right? There's obviously some stories where hotels are claiming that they don't have reservations when you make a reservation because they don't want to give you the room. Yeah, yeah. Or it's the what was it the Meridian in New York City? Uh, well, yes. What were they doing? <laughs> this is like four or five years ago now. This is this is old Starwood. This is even Marriott. This is well, that Starwood. was because well, that but that hotel was like in like involved with some fraud, right? Right. Yeah, that's what I was joking exactly. about. They, yeah, they used uh, to claim that they always claimed that they were like ninety percent full. So for award nights, were more you got comped better as a property owner if you were full. <laughs> yeah, because basically they, the uh, Starwood pay Starwood would pay a rack rate when the hotel was full for award nights. 
oh, or a discounted rate when it wasn't. And so basically this hotel faked occupancy numbers to pretend it was full all the time. So all of its reward nights were full rate. I thought it was both New York and Palm Springs because there are two Parker hotels. I only yeah. remember the New York one, but yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's the late Parker Meridian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, big lawsuit. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, yeah. um, let's talk Breeze. I mean, I didn't know you could put that many business class seats in an A220, but more power to them. <laughs> right, this is like the high J763, but shrunk down to a single aisle plane. Yeah, for transcons, I guess. I mean, I'll say this. If they put that, I mean, that's a better product than Alaska has on their 737s. Even their A3, Absolutely. A3, A321s. That's a better product. Um, so in, in that case, if they were actually flying the routes I needed, yeah, I'd consider it. Especially if they're only going to upcharge it by, what, 100 bucks? they said? He was saying 50 but yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, Cranky, Brett Snyder did a good analysis of, like, if it's 145 seats versus 126 seats, which are sort of the top and the bottom end ranges. 126 is what they actually put on it. So you lose 20 seats, so those... 36 seats have to sell for the equivalent of the revenue of the other 20. Yeah. Essentially. Um, and if you're charging a hundred bucks per, then 36 for 20 is, is really just a little bit more than uh, 50 bucks. Yeah. Um, now, would they all have sold anyways? Can you optimize that differently for longer haul versus shorter haul? Was a hundred dollar base fare to consider versus 150 reasonable? There's a lot of variables in that that come into play. I think, you know, as someone, I, as someone who is flying Spirit next week or this week, uh, when it's coming out, when this episode's coming out, uh, and who bought the big front seat because even with all the fees, it was cheaper than an economy seat on the comparable nonstop flights, and I'm on a nonstop Spirit flight. I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes, I would pay mm. for the better, more comfortable, whatever, assuming I get uh, the opportunity, right? The experience, yeah. the the comfort. So. I feel like too they're they're in a the way Breeze is kind of doing this point to point market stuff that they're tr- they're trying right, um, doing transcons on point to point places could be very lucrative, right? When people need to get from the east coast to the west coast and vice versa, and they want to fly into Burbank or Ontario and they want to do it, you know, out of BWI or you know somewhere Norfolk. like that, Norfolk. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna, char- you're gonna like Charleston or New Orleans or Norfolk to or Tampa to Ontario. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't think I can get LAX gate space. Well, I mean, I have friends that live in Burbank, and they would, and they have family in Norfolk. They would take that in a heartbeat. Like it's the old, it's the old tampon route. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> People are going to be like you. So for explain. those at home <laughs> listening and confused with how Foz is talking about, this is uh, if I remember correctly, a hundred twenty dollar a fare, which was a first discounted first class ticket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. pre merger United. Yeah, Tampa to Ontario with up to four connections, so you could do Tampa, Dallas, JFK, San Francisco, Ontario in PS first. Yeah, which was which was a big deal. Yes, and it, and I think I was right. I was about one twenty round trip, two, two, maybe it was two hundred round trip, a hundred each way, something like that. It was it was pretty stupid cheap, absurdly cheap, and that was, and it wasn't a like random mistake fare. It was just like regularly available. <laughs> yeah, it was like you could find it consistently. I feel like that's how. Lucky made one uh, k off. <laughs> Seriously, I don't think he was shy about that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's get to the real topic. I do have one comment though. You you made a comment in regards to Breeze. Twenty minutes been, in, <laughs> he made a comment about Breeze having a better product than Alaska, and I'd like to know who doesn't have a better product than Alaska in the front cabin. 
spirit. <laughs> you put that much value on the Alaska's food and beverage? They're they're not bad. Food and beverage is not bad. Okay. I mean, if the price is right on spirit, the thing is with spirit, they only they only fly really up and down the west coast. They don't go anywhere east of here, really. So, okay. No, um, I, I'm doing them on a nonstop out of Puerto Rico, so we'll see. To Florida? No, home straight to Boston. Oh, oh nice, nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Foz, like even even United F maybe isn't like domestic F is not as nice as Alaska. I'd say. I would, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of United F, but I would say it is better than Alaska F. You think so? I, I don't. I, I mean, I'll go. We, we've talked about this before. Are you but talking I Transcon or Short Haul? Like, you know, just the regular F. Domestic, the regular F, not the Transcon F. Non-Transcon, I would just also say I think United is slightly better. I just don't like the tray tables, like the new marble bullshit. I, I, I don't I don't like it. Okay, <laughs> so, that's fine. Uh, they're, half of them are broken, so <laughs> it's unusable. It's like the old United. You should be used to this. <laughs> Steve was more of a continental kid. Yeah, I was in Houston, you know. So Um, it's like the old United without the sky kits. That's the only drawback. (laughs) I still remind me why this is a good thing. (laughs) I I still have some old sky kits sitting around here somewhere. Um, Let's talk about let's talk about the uh, AA meltdown this weekend. Got a flight attendant to spare? Uh, Is that is that what the meltdown was all about? Yeah, the uh, so. Hundreds of flights canceled. I think they canceled their like twenty percent of their flights on Saturday. Uh, Sunday's going to be pretty nasty. Also, uh, apparently they're mostly flight attendant un- or flight crew unavailable. Is it- and I've heard it's a lot flight attendant. Um, basically, it's, we're end of month, and there was a storm ish on Thursday or Friday down in Dallas that displaced some planes. This is. Right, almost identical story of what we heard from Spirit, uh, from uh, Southwest. Southwest a couple of weeks ago and Spirit a couple of months ago of like things got a little bad and then got really bad in a hurry after that. So they, do they have a bunch call out because people don't want to pick up trips? Is that or they, people don't want to pick up trips and they're not picking up where people are displaced and not picking up those trips that they would have filled? I, it sounds like they're it's a combination of they're out of reserves. Mm. because you get to the end of the month and people have worked a lot of hours and they don't, they can't work anymore or you can't work anymore. So, right. There's limits to the number of hours you can work on a day in a week and in a month. Um, but that's an interesting challenge. Uh, and then there's, I mean, also with like, it's a holiday weekend yeah. and Halloween, Halloween always has a lower number of passengers. So that sort of will help a little bit this weekend, but like, Halloween on a Sunday with like good parties on Friday and Saturday night. I don't, I'm not surprised that people are like, ah, forget it. I'm bored this weekend. I'll pick up a couple extra hours and like, you know, make some money. Like also significantly increased chance of getting punched in the face and having broken bones as a result. It turns out (laughs) if you're a flight attendant on American these days. So I don't really blame them. Is is it mostly mainline regionals or both? I'm seeing it as mainline. Uh, So I haven't seen, I mean, that's based on the uh, flight aware is showing it as mainline cancels. So and flight aware tracks the regionals separately. And I mean, on the same kind of related, right? Spirit is talking about slowing their growth because they can't hire enough people. So it's it's this is I mean, these things are intertwined, right? Across yeah. The and what's what's interesting about the Spirit one is they're saying they can't get um, enough people in Fort Lauderdale, especially. And what I can't tell, but I think I think it's I don't think it's flight attend. I don't think that one's flight attendants or pilots. I think that's like gate ground gate agents agents and stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. Um, Yeah. Americans 536 flights canceled so far on Saturday and another nearly 400 delayed more than a hundred canceled out of DFW. Um, It's bad. DFW is bad. Charlotte 75. 
Chicago 45. So I mean like 42 out of Miami. I mean, those are, and those cities are including other airlines, but let's assume that most of those are American. Um, now the, the spirit one is super interesting to me because right. Like spirit was trying to massively grab share. And again, when you're like only 4% of the market anyways, getting to 5% is huge growth, but also still just a pesky little pain in the butt, not a real difference maker. Uh, but they were super trying to grab share out of, uh, this rebound. So it was allegiance. A lot of the LCCs and smaller airlines frontier the same way. Uh, but I think uh, spirit is now saying that they sort of had expected 10% growth in Q4. And now it's probably down to only 5% hmm. and or 10% was going to, or, or 5% of it or half of it was in Fort Lauderdale. They were expecting temper. They're going to miss 10% and half of that was in Fort Lauderdale. It's, it's a lot out of Fort Lauderdale. It's not happening. And, you know, I, we've talked a lot about, I think not on the show, but separately about like what's keeping, you know, quote unquote, keeping people from going back to work or why is the overall workforce shrunk? And it's, there's a lot of things that play into it, but it's uh, not great. It's having sure. an impact, right? Like we, we see it, we see it here in Portland yeah. differently. We see it here differently, right? And taking a different, a, a different uh, uh, impact, right? That we, we can't get our FedEx pick packages delivered because there's not enough drivers here. Um, so, you know, we avoid FedEx, but in other places, it's airline, you know, customer agents and gate agents, yeah. and it's wild. Um, What's it interesting, I'm looking at the FlightAware page, it's not just A8, though. Southwest has a ton of delays today, 87 cancellations, but 681 flights delayed. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. Out of Dallas, it's, if there was, there was, the storm was very big, I will say that. Yeah, and, Love Field doesn't show up on by Origin Airport. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. By airline, Southwest has 681 delays. It doesn't specify the airport. No, but. Dallas, if I look at Dallas, it's only, uh, sorry, there's a, I got to click, delayed 35, canceled 20, but that's only the last four hours, I think. So, um, yeah, it's hard to tell uh, where the Southwest cancels or delays are all happening. But I don't know. It, it, listen, there's, there's not a lot of slack in the system, and there's not going to be a lot of slack in the system for a while yet to come. Yeah. Yep. So pack your patience and maybe a Snickers bar. <laughs> um, so the weather's way worse up here than it is in Dallas. So I don't even know what they're complaining about. <laughs> uh, let's talk. Let's talk about uh, Ireland plane registrations, or should I say, Kazakh plane registrations? I don't understand this, and I put it on the topics list because I'm hoping you guys do. Mm-hmm. Um, Kazakhstan and Ireland signed an agreement where Ireland is going to handle the inspection and registry of airplanes for Kazakhstan. Okay. okay. I don't understand. <laughs> I have a feeling Kazakhstan doesn't want to run uh, an inspection and registration organization. They don't have the, the people or the know-how to do it. It could, also be, it could also be that they get instant credibility by having Ireland do it. True. Yeah. I mean, right, like, they're the – comparable i can come up with is there's some and i think you're probably right Stephen. that makes sense right like we don't want to we don't want to train and maintain a group of people that understand and manage how like aircraft inspections have to happen so we will outsource this to another country that does it for a very reasonable fee right like there's countries in central and south america or latin america that do it to the united states so there's a lot of enreg uh aircraft flying around in mexico or in costa rica or etc um but mexico still does its own, I think it's XA is the Mexico registration prefix, right? So like it still has its own, but some of them are like Aeromexico has a bunch of unregistered planes flying around, which I think is tied to the leasing company, not necessarily because the country doesn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's, you know, a different reason for it, right? Like, hey, yeah, we'll let you do this, but we want to make sure we can repossess the planes. And so by putting them on a different registry where we have good relations, that makes it, or right, it's like, does that make it cheaper for the airline to operate because it's easier to repossess the plane when the airline fails? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because if you go and look up, uh, I believe their registration is UN and UP. I think that's like, that's the two co- two two letter codes, and I don't know why it's different. Um, but there are planes. I mean, there were Kazakh airline planes registered with with that number that yeah that code. So they they there clearly have, a lot of them. They have a like have a commercial airline. Yeah. So I'm. I don't know. I mean, it, it complicates it a little bit. I, or my explanation, it kind of yeah. shoots it UP. down. No, I mean, like I, said, I, I think a lot of countries have them. It's a matter of do you want to maintain that and like, like you said, like the inspections and managing all that process, right? I mean, I remember. I'm I'm just thinking back. There was uh, the Organization of Eastern Caribbean States. There's mm-hmm. an acronym for that. I'm getting it wrong, but like they share that regulatory role. And when a few years ago. Someone tried to register a 747 in Antigua, and it was a huge problem because officially they had to do it. They had to manage the process. And I talked to the guy who was in charge of the registry at the time and like in charge of the organization. He's like, yeah, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But he's like, yeah, we, we don't have the expertise. We don't have people who can manage that. We're going to have to outsource it back to the United States. We're going to basically fly someone from the FAA in, have them look at this plane to decide if it's safe or not, and then we'll stamp stamp it based on their approval. Hmm. Kazakhstan is UP. What was the other one you had? UK? Uh, UN. UN. So my understanding, the way this looks is like Afghanistan and Kazakhstan maybe share the registration. Or That's Kazakhstan. Like choice. Or Kazakhstan, uh, or Afghanistan, I mean, relies on Kazakhstan for the registrations, um, which is interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm like, I'm finding things like Comlux has some planes that are registered there and stuff. So really? it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They have some E-145. Change from UN to avoid confusion with United Nations, according to the wikis. Oh, so apparently they used to use UN, but United Nations got confused. Um, I mean, unless it was an all-white plane. <laughs> or all baby blue. Yeah, uh, exactly. Put a um, hat on top. If, I don't, if any of our listeners know, I, we would love to hear it. Uh, if you know definitively why it's... Or, I mean, you can send us wrong answers only, too. I don't care. Um, <laughs> it's not going not gonna to break my heart. Um, we'll, 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 re- we'll repeat them on the show as though they're accurate. So, yeah, yeah we, we won't, got that going for you. We won't even fact check them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, do, we do little to no research here. Um, United's London Heathrow just brain dump, or I should say... Just, Capacity dump? Yeah, it's crazy. 22? 22 new and returning flights, right? So Boston... Daily. So Sorry, this is by... Call it the end of March when the next when the IATA season shifts over. Twenty two daily uh, flights in and out of Heathrow. Yes. Uh, so Boston uh, finally going to actually launch. Yep. Newark gets seven. An increase. Yes, to seven. And so that was they historically had five. They announced that they were going to do a sixth in late twenty nineteen. They had a big media event and like that was the next growth, and then it never happened. So instead of six, they're actually going to do seven because like what the hell? Why not? Right. I mean. What's one more flight? Uh, Hour, well, it's hourly service, uh, like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven, and then a morning flight. That eleven p.m. is that's I like that. So, where are they getting these slots from? I don't know. Uh, is the short answer the the sixth when they got it was someone in Lufthansa group? That one, yeah, that one I remember. But so I would assume that it's a similar deal, right? Like if you're Lufthansa group and you're seeing 
post-Brexit impact and less trade and less demand to be connecting all of your cities to the UK. I don't know, maybe you pull one of the Eurowings flights to Dusseldorf out or something like that. Give it to United because United gets going to pay you for the JV. <laughs> Excuse me. Maybe. That's my best guess. I, I would assume it goes there. Um, especially because JetBlue is still like scrambling, trying to find a way to keep its Heathrow slots long-term. They did get approval to keep running them for the winter season because there's enough returned slots, but... Uh, well, well, let's let's keep going, right? Cause okay, sorry, yes. <laughs> yeah. So Denver gets a well, it's it daily double flight. daily. Yeah. It, so it had a it had a daily flight. Now they're going to get a second uh, daily on a seven eight nine. Pres- they're both seven eight nines out of Denver. Presumably, BA is going to keep its flight out of Denver. Yep. Uh, and then San Francisco gets a third daily using a triple seven two hundred ER. That one wasn't also seven eight nine. I thought there was two triple sevens and then a seven eight nine for San Francisco. Uh, you might be right. I'm trying. To I think the addition was a seven eight nine. Yeah, oh. LA gets its gets goes back and has its one. Houston gets two. Chicago gets a third. And, and Dallas has three. Dallas has three. One of which is, I think, the morning seven five two. Morning seven five two, and then yeah, the the two in the evening. So, yeah, it's a lot of lift into London, but at this point, at least, like, pretty confident that those borders are going to stay open. Yeah, but I guess here's the thing that I don't understand. Right for for American and Delta, they have onward connections. United does Which not. Which direction? But who's Delta have connections with? Virgin. Virgin has some flights beyond Heathrow. Eastbound? Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, to Africa, to India. Yeah. I, I I would be skeptical that there's a lot of feed there. But better than nil. I mean, like, I would argue that, like, that same EasyJet, or not Easy, sorry, uh, Eurowings flight to Dusseldorf is going to have as many people as the Virgin Atlantic flight to Lagos did. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's a week. Weak onward connections, especially just the way that Virgin sort of completely rejiggered its schedule to be a transatlantic operation after Delta took its stake. I just I agreed. It's not doesn't give you a ton of options, but it's more than United has because United doesn't have a partner other than intra-Europe. And Heathrow is not the airport to connect to if you want to connect into Europe. I yeah. certainly agree with that last part of your statement. <laughs> um yeah, I would connect almost anywhere else if I'm trying to get to continental Europe. But yeah, you know what's 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 funny though, Foz, is that they sell it as a as a connection pretty frequently. Oh no, I've seen it, but but you know the so let's look at Chicago and Newark, hijack and figs, not a lot of coach seats. Yep. Right. So how many people are buying business class tickets or premium economy to connect in Heathrow? I would yeah. argue not many. Almost yeah, none. Yeah, no, they're all going to London. Right. So, so is the demand to London that high? I don't think so. I mean, before the pandemic, there were always empty seats on the Newark flights. Unless one canceled, there's always empty seats in the premium cabins. Is that an indication that people aren't paying for it, though? And By which I mean, if you're selling enough relatively high fare tickets, mm-hmm. aren't you better off having uh, seats available? Right. If, if you're selling all those business class tickets at $2,000 each, then yes, they all have to be full to make money and have a profit. But if you're selling them at $6,000 each, you can sell only half of them and still make 50% more money than selling them all at two. Right. But they were consistently, there was always uh, op-ups, right? So the moment there's consistently op-ups, you're missized. Because that means you don't have enough capacity in the back and you have too much capacity in the front. And you were saying saying this was before the pandemic? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know op-up stats, but 
Um, I, listen, I, I'm not saying that no one's going to London anymore, but I am, I'm a little skeptical, but also that clearly is a historically big market and at least United seems to think there's some value in, in growing into London. So it's I, I, a lot. I, I'll say this. I think I'm, I'm surprised that they're not spreading the hijack and fig out. Right. Then they're focusing it on New York. Let's, let's Sh- say Chicago too. Well, yeah. Okay. Chicago. But I'm saying to, to any of the other airports, right? Like you're not going to put a hijack and fig on San Francisco. Um, I think that that's partially cargo and partially the back cabin economics. Yeah. Cause I'm just, I'm just thinking like, okay, well you could run a Houston London on a high J, but think about it on a triple seven or seven, eight, nine, you have the same number of J seats as the high J. That's true. That's true. Right. It's well, really more about the back cabin of how many uh, coach seats do you need? Well, think about it this way, Fox. If the seven, six threes are so unreliable, then that's the reason you run an hourly flight. Because if one cancels, you just put them on the next one and you'll have open seats. You joke about that, but that's actually somewhat accurate. <laughs> I'm, I'm being serious. I've had that happen. As long as it's <laughs> not the 11 p.m. that cancels, you're fine. Yeah, exactly. No, they'll send you on the morning one <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> oh, great. An extra eight hours with OTG. That's just what anyone needs. <laughs> I'm glad we managed to get an OTG dig into this episode. It's been a while since I've seen it. Let's talk about ITA. It's justified, by the way. I'm not trying to defend them at all, but it's just been a while since we've heard that. Sorry. Uh, so ITA is joining SkyTeam. The, the fake Alitalia. Yes. Uh, or the new Alitalia, whatever you want to call it, has signed an agreement to, to join SkyTeam, just like Alitalia had. Uh, the new loyalty program, I guess the good news is they're status matching I don't want to say anybody and everybody, but like 25 different programs. So if you want Sky Team status, that's your good way to get it for next year. Um, and yeah, at least for now, that seems to be where they're going. Uh, I say for now because there's rumors that Lufthansa, they're in discussions with Lufthansa or Delta for a uh, strategic investment. And if it happens to be Lufthansa, I have to assume that the Sky Team partnership dies very quickly. So wait a minute. They just rose from the ashes and they're already looking for cash. Yeah. <laughs> dude hang on let, let's talk about how to be a startup the whole point of being a startup is to raise more money but they're backed by the government europe has rules about that so so can we can you have we... to throw away, you have to throw away your loyalty program like every three years if you just want to reinfuse a new startup from the from the government that's that's a pain in the ass well not if you uh fork off your loyalty program into its own company no, they had to get rid of Mile Mig- whatever I always say it wrong. Mile Miglia, um, Miglia, Miglia. It sounds it's, like it's, it sounds like a sounds yeah. like a medical term. <laughs> uh, the I'll tell you, they had to get rid of the loyalty program to satisfy uh, European regulators. There was a different airline. Yeah, I have to get I had to get rid of my Mile Miglia too. I mean, it was, it was <laughs> problems. Do they have an ointment for that? <laughs> try try amoxicillin. Uh, get you a Z pack. Uh, <laughs> No, I, that, anyway, the loyalty program is a disaster or a shit show. At least they, uh, you can get a status match in. They're joining Sky Team, but like also they still have to sort of renegotiate all the bilateral agreements with all the other airlines. So even though they're officially a Sky Team member, they don't have any of the benefits at the airport yet. Which, like, mm. how hard could it be to put the stupid logo back on the signs and tell the gate agents who still work, like who all worked for you before, to pretend that they care about elites again? Um, <laughs> Like, hey, remember when you used to make those announcements and sneer at people because they tried to board early? Yeah, do that again, please. <laughs> um, it's it's it is very laughable how it's going, but it'll be interesting, especially if the Lufthansa bid wins to uh, become their strategic partner. To watch that all very quickly disappear and then become a SkyTeam partner, presumably. Or you mean a, a start partner? Star, Starlines. Star, Starlines, yes. Um, because I would have to assume at that point, if 
Lufthansa became, you know, a part owner, they'd want them to move into the Miles and More program. I mean, if, if that come, becomes the case, then I can redeem Miles on them and fly them before they go out of business again. Bonus. <laughs> Maybe they just should just say F this whole alliance thing and restart Wings. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, um, the, the other thing I'll put out there is that the since we're talking about the, the, the Legacy Altalia program, Malmilia or whatever, uh, still can get some benefits on... Air France KLM and Middle East Airlines, uh, its <laughs> former partners. And there's one, there's, uh, let me see if I can find this uh, email uh, real quick. Do I have it? Uh, yes, the program continues. I got an email this week reminding me that I still have a, apparently I still have an account there. If you go to mymiglia.com, M I M I G L I A.com, you'll learn that you can also, uh, they've established partnerships with two OTAs. Uh, and in a very short period of time, you'll be able to use your miles not only to request vouchers for car rentals, but also to buy hotels and hotel, excuse me, buy flights or hotel plus flight packages. So apparently right now, redemption is pretty much limited to rental car vouchers, which is kind of awkward. (laughs) I'm sure a friend of the show, Hendrick, may be able to take advantage of that at some level. He'll find, Uh, he'll find a way. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And then I got a friend who's got 5 million miles flown with them. So I feel a little badly for him. Does, does he does he get a free car? <laughs> so he did, he did he did get to sorry just he got to ride in a special flight they did with the uh, Tricolor their uh, military flight display team. Oh, see, that's he cool. was like on board and I think it was an MD eighty or something like that. But and I looked out the window and there's fighter jets blowing red yellow red white and green smoke. So that's pretty cool. So I gotta ask, five million miles on an Alitalia. It's not like they just went belly up overnight. I don't know that he has five million award points sitting there. He's flown five million miles again, but but in <laughs> knowing that they're always on the verge of insolvency, why would you continue flying with them? Did he have to go to like South America and he Asia lives in Italy? Okay, that's fair. Is, <laughs> it, was he flying them long haul a lot though? I yeah. guess that's the yeah yeah. Milan ish based and flying long haul it made a sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Um, let's talk about Hyatt. We said we were going to talk about other hotel rules, but the Hyatt uh, demand pricing went into effect, what, a week ago? I think about a week ago. They, they After a few delays, they finally kicked off peak and off-peak pricing. Wow. Okay. The one decent program that was out there. Have you have you tried to book any of the rewards or anything? No, I meant to do it before the shit change, and I kind of forgot. Gotcha. So, is there anything still off-peak? <laughs> I haven't even looked. I mean, generally, I will say I, I'm. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that hoping they won't screw people too badly because historically they've been pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then lastly, um, we can talk about the rule changes for travel to the United States from international travelers. Yeah. So next uh, week, November eighth. Yep. So if you're vaccinated, uh, you can come to the United States with a test within 72 hours. Um, and something came out over the weekend about for unvaccinated minors and how that works. And I really probably read that better. Um, there was it was there was some confusion as to whether they would be uh, permitted or not. Uh, children, here we go. I'm, I'm pulling up here. Uh, foreign national children who are not vaccinated do not need to quarantine upon arrival. It was a question of whether they had to quarantine or not. Gotcha. Um, they still have to do the test. I guess children under 18 and participants in new, in clinical trials do not have to quarantine, but I do believe they're still required to have a negative test to show up. Gotcha. Um, I mean, this is good news. I, the other caveat is if you're not vaccinated, including U.S. citizens, coming back, you have to have a test within 24 hours of your departure um, to come back to the United States. 
I think they just wanted to make it as inconvenient as possible for unvaccinated travelers. Wait, say that again. Sorry, if you're unvaccinated, you have to have it. It's got to be within 24 hours. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, the odds of finding a test that's done and ready to go within 24 hours is. Uh, Antigen tests are usually. But is an antigen. Historically, it has been. Valid. Okay. So, I mean, maybe it's possible. I just know for some people, it's not going to be possible. Yeah. I I think the U.S. government has done a, I'll say, pretty good job. And you can use good to interpret good however you want uh, at making being unvaccinated uh, less than ideal. Yeah, uh, position. So, I, I wish that 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 it, what it was was if you're vaccinated, you don't have to do a test coming in as a U, as a U.S. citizen, like coming home. I wish that was the case. Um, that that might actually get me to travel more. Honestly, is that because you don't want to bother with a test, or you're worried about a false positive? A little bit of both. I think it's a pain in the ass. I think yeah. um, also the false positive, the idea of like getting stuck. Some, like I just can't take the risk of getting stuck somewhere. Yeah. Um, I, and I had a buddy uh, going to the Dubai Air Show in a couple weeks and he was, he did the research on what we were going to get for our tests coming home. He's like, yeah, I found this place. It's walking distance from the hotel. Uh, it's $41 US for a test uh, in the drive through or I think 67 if you walk in. Which I responded, okay, well, as long as the, you know, an Uber is less than $54 or whatever the difference was for the two of us to get the tests, <laughs> I guess we're just going to pay an Uber to drive us over, take us through the drive through COVID test and drive us back to the hotel. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, should we walk over, stand out in front and be like, hey, you guys going in for a test? Can we sit in your back seat for four minutes? Like, <laughs> I'll give you That's 10 fun. bucks. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, it's not that far. Apparently it's walkable from the hotel that we're in. Oh. Uh, but the, I, I just like the fact that it's way more expensive uh, to walk in, to walk in. Uh, and yeah, uh, 41 us if walk, if via drive through or 68 via walk in guaranteed results in 24 hours. Wow. Um, so yeah, 54 Uber, $54 Uber, or we can walk over and like, I, I'm kind of tempted to walk over and like knock on the window of someone driving in and be like, ex- like hitchhike my way through a COVID test in Dubai. Just, we need, we, need, we need GoPro video of this if it happens. Yeah. Because <laughs> that would be hysterical. Honestly, doing it in the Uber would be pretty funny, too. But <laughs> I can just see the Uber driver like, oh, no, the test isn't for me. It's for these idiots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, would you mind rolling down your window? Yes, I would mind immensely. It's the assholes in the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I but, think, yeah, but you know, in Arabic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I just I think that the, the having a false positive potential or just test the finding a test and making sure you get it arranged, yeah. like even in your circumstances, like it's just a pain. I mean, why not reward vaccinated travelers to say you don't have to do that? You're a U.S. citizen. Uh, maybe it's too much for the airlines to deal with, and they just want to check everybody, make sure everybody's got the test, and that's it. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I I get where you're coming from. Um, I don't. I'm I'm not sure that. If you're going to do that, do you really want to let, like, does citizen matter at that point? Like, sure. would that be where I draw the line? That's what I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I some of these, some of these European countries have dropped the testing requirement to come in. Uh, if you're vaccinated, I feel like, yeah. why, why can't we at this point? I don't know. That's just my, my thought on it. So um, in our bonus, we're going to talk about the high speed rail, uh, some Allegiant EROPS uh, costs and uh, waltzing Matilda. We're going to talk about that a little bit. So if you're a Patreon subscriber, stay tuned. If you're not, and you'd like to become one, you can always join at patreon.com and uh, or you can click on a link on the website or on Twitter. And uh, yeah. Uh, thanks again for listening. 
find us on Twitter at dots lines, more dots, more lines.com. Can I, can I give a shout out to the, our recent new patrons who have you joined can. us? Sure. Uh, yeah. Jeff K, Austin G, Peter Allen, Connor. Appreciate uh, you guys joining the party. Uh, so you'll get your early content and extra or early access and extra content. So thank yeah. you. Thanks for supporting the show till next time. Happy travels. Take care. Uh, bye-bye. <laughs>